The CBF Podcast Conversation is presented to you by Fuller Seminary. Fuller Seminary's MA in Theology and Ministry offers a practice-focused theological education. Learn from Fuller's seasoned scholar practitioners with online classes and apply what you're learning to your own context. Whatever your ministry goals, Fuller Seminary's MA in Theology and Ministry will help you take the next step in your vocation. For more information, visit fuller.edu backslash M-A-T-M degree. That's fuller.edu backslash M-A-T-M degree. Since 2016, CBF has brought you over 100 episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for conversations that matter. These stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the United States and the world. We are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests, free books from the podcast, joining the podcast for an interview, and a VIP experience with the General Assembly podcast guest. There are five levels of listener support, starting at $5 per month. For less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte, you will be featured by name on the weekly podcast episode. For more information and to join the community of listener supporters, visit cbf.net slash podcast support. This is the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship's Conversations. We are bringing you stories from across the fellowship through interviews with people doing groundbreaking work in renewing God's world. Ideas, stories, and innovation from ministers, authors, and practitioners from across the fellowship and beyond. This is Andy Hale. We are honored that you join us each week for Conversations That Matter. That's why in 2020, we've tried to pivot to make sure that we are covering the things that need to be talked about, like the plague of racism in America and how the church is responding to the COVID-19 crisis. We're also coming up on our 150th episode, which would not be possible without listeners like you engaging each week in the conversation. Don't forget that you can be a part of supporting the podcast while receiving some great benefits, such as joining an interview with an upcoming guest, books from authors interviewed, and a VIP experience at this summer's General Assembly. We want to thank William Johnson and Cindy Folendorf for their monthly support of the podcast. Check out how you can support at cbf.net backslash podcast support. And now, on to our conversation. Our guest for this week's CBF podcast conversation is Nathan Dean. He's the co-pastor of Edgewood Church in Atlanta, Georgia. He's now the author of a new children's book, The Song. Nathan, thank you for joining the conversation. Andy, I'm so glad to be here, man. All right, before we get to the book, let's talk about Edgewood. Uh, y'all are celebrating over 10 years of existence. Um, looking back at it, did you ever think you'd come to this point? Um, well, we uh, we did a lot of reading of uh, Shane Claiborne and um, uh, people like that, Dave Lupton, stuff like that, whenever we came here as missionaries 12 years ago. And so we we uh, kind of made this this promise to God of like, we're going to stick around for, for we're making a 12 year commitment unless like we're dead or you take, or you tell us to leave, you know, like unless we just cannot physically keep going. And uh, so we, 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 uh, we thought that we would be here for 10, didn't know about 12, but um, the church is celebrating its, its 10th year. We spent the first two years just as missionaries without a church in the community. And uh, um, yeah, but I mean, had uh couldn't have imagined 
necessarily the path. I mean, there's some things that I'm pretty amazed at that um, that that has held even back from like the very earliest visioning stages, like that it's still with us and it's still shaping the church. And, and, uh, and, and then, um, and then just, uh, and also amazed at all the surprises and the un unforeseen things that happened along the way. Um, so just been, been, been quite a, been quite a journey. Probably have to amend one thing. If Carrie was on here, she would say within 10 years of not killing you, uh, going through yeah. the process. <laughs> Probably there's been some tense moments, you know, but, but most of it, you know, has been, uh, um, as I think is, as it's, um, it's tough doing ministry together, <clears throat> but, um, but that is, there's parts of that that have been really, really good because it's us, um, working side by side and sometimes back to back, you know, to, uh, uh, to take on the problems of, uh, that we're, we're facing from day to day and week to week and year to year. But, um, you know, and, and it, it, it's, it's helped us figure out, um, even better, like what are each other's strengths and, and where we can support each other and where, you know, where, where like my best in a particular area is not going like there's, there's things that I can do, but like if Carrie does it, it's just phenomenally better. Um, and, and she might have something to say that might be vice versa. I don't know. Uh, but, um, yeah, that's, that's been, um, it's been challenging, you know, doing it as, as a, as a married couple, but I think in a lot of ways it's, uh, you know, we've been on the adventure together and that's been good. You know, most church starts, uh, despite the, the glitz and glamour of, of the North points and elevations of the world are, you know, they're like Edgewood, you know, it's, um, it's a, it's a group of people that gather, it grows slowly and organically. So, you know, what's this pandemic been like for, for your faith community? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, that's a great question. So it's probably been what, uh, pretty similar to a lot of churches here, uh, pastors especially early on wonder like man we've stopped having services are people going to come back and this is like what is the pandemic going to be like are we all going to die is it going to peter out or like what's you know there's so much unknown things at the, at the beginning like how significant this would be and then how significant it would play out in our church and so so we're uh we've been meeting outside um mostly this fall we tried that a little bit like late late spring early summer we were just online for a while and then we we did uh we did outside services um good social distancing we've got a good field in front of our church so it just lets people be as far away from each other as they want to be and uh and then the summer started getting too hot and covid numbers started picking up um so we, we just went online again for a while and then we, we came back outside services again this this fall um and that's been really great i guess um, maybe half our people, you know, have been, have been coming, uh, to the in, in-person services and from, from, from talking to other pastors, I think those are, that's a pretty good number. Uh, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of folks are sitting at a quarter to a third. So I think half is, half is good, you know, but we have a, we have a, a typically like younger, um, uh, population as a, as an urban church start, um, then, than what a lot of churches have that are that are uh, their their demographic leans more elderly. So I think that's that's a part of it. Um, um, and then uh, you know, and, and we don't we don't know what all we're gonna do. You know, when the weather gets colder, you know, which is is beginning to happen. And uh, you know, I, I think we'll 
we'll gather, you know, as carefully as we can inside and um, trying to manage every, be as, be as careful and loving with people as we can be and moving forward as best we can be and uh, just forging into the unknown and people will come that, that want to come and people stay home that want to stay home. And uh, it's just, uh, it's just really strange, you know, and, and the church is a community, you know, and so it's really hard to, uh, it's been harder to hold the community together and grow the community in different ways uh, because people can't get together uh, in the same way. And, uh, and, and then, um, you know, there, there's, there's it's a, being able to gather people together um, every week and have our, our weekly family reunion is, is such a great tool um, for pastoring and checking in on people. And when you don't have that, then, then um, there's, partly that people just fall through the cracks and partly that just means you have to work so much harder to, uh, to keep up with people and care for them. And, and that, that even, even all your phone calls, extra phone calls and things like that, that it can't, it can't make up for, um, uh, all the ways that we, we get together and we care for each other as a community, you know, so we, we try and, uh, we do what we can. Uh, we've, um, as a, uh, we're, we're missionally, we're pretty nimble, you know, and we're always focusing on what we can do for our community. Um, and, uh, and, and I think being a mission church really did set us up to be able to respond to this situation really well, um, because most of, most of what we were, we were doing as far as um, ministry goes, we just kind of, there's some things we left behind. Uh, but a lot of things that we just tweaked or, or really ramped up. So we've, we've just fed so, so many people, uh, helped out so many people with, um, with utilities and things like that. And, and that, was, um, that was already going on, but we just found ways to, to ramp that up. So we partnered with the USDA. I think a lot of people probably saw uh, these tractors like uh, plowing up vegetables and things like that. So the USDA... Uh, developed a program where uh, called Farm to Family, and uh, uh, where they paid the farmers to go ahead and harvest their food, and then uh, and developed new distribution lines that would go to community nonprofits like us and uh, help get that food out to people. And so that was that was really really helpful. Um, that lasted through most of the summer or all of the summer, maybe a little bit into the fall, and uh, it was just a really great way for us to take care of people and. Um, financially is something that we couldn't afford because we were, um, we were delivering like 200 boxes of like organic, wonderful food, <laughs> you know, uh, every week, every week, you know, uh, um, and, and it let us, um, kind of keep tabs with people that are on the margins that are elderly, that are, that are, um, uh, on the, on the edge of not making it or actually aren't making it. So, um, uh, you know, stepped up pastoral care. There's been a lot of, uh, I think like what a lot of churches have done, you know, um, there's a lot more people that have been dealing with joblessness and depression and anxiety and those sorts of things. And, um, you know, and, and on top of that, it's a presidential election year. So that makes, um, uh, that didn't quite, that didn't used to be the, uh, the big, uh, anxiety thing that it, uh, at least I don't remember it being that way, the, um, uh, that it is, but now like, there's kind of a pastoral rhythm that has to happen now too, um, with presidential election seasons. So it's been uh, been a challenging year. It's been uh, a lot of good things, but it's been <laughs> nothing. Nothing's come easy, you know. This CBF podcast is presented to you by the Center for Congregational Health. 
At the center, we help lay leaders, clergy, and congregations find ways to thrive in the midst of change. Our experience in highly trained consultants and coaches don't prescribe one-size-fits-all solutions. Instead, we work alongside you and take your unique congregation and ministry context seriously. We believe the wisdom for thriving comes from the leadership of the Spirit. We help create the spaces for congregations to hear and recognize that God-given wisdom. Please visit our website, healthychurch.org, to learn more about the center and find the help you need in order to thrive in ministry. Let's move to one of those good things. Uh, earlier this year, you released the song, The Story of Our Hope and Rescue. Uh, tell us about the vision behind the book. Oh, uh, man, I am so excited about this thing. You know, I, I feel like I've done some good stuff in my life and got to be a part of good things. And I, I'm my, my name is on the book, but there's been a lot of people that have really helped make this this possible. Um, and I, I feel like it is is very much a God thing. Um, so um, like so some story behind it is uh, I grew up when Jesus was uh, reading the Bible and hearing um, Jesus talk about the kingdom of God and having no idea what that was. So um, uh, when when Jesus is starting his ministry and says he's, he went everywhere uh, teaching people about the kingdom of God, I thought, you know, like, I was like, what does that mean? And the only thing, the only answer that I had was, that's, he went everywhere telling people about how to go to heaven when they die, you know, like that's, that's all that I had. And then, um, then I went to seminary and I, I learned, um, I learned a little bit more about that, like more about like kingdom ethics, which is probably on my <laughs> right behind me. I just saw that, uh, on my, uh, on my bookshelf, uh, l- learned about some kingdom ethics and things like that, but I really didn't know what the kingdom of God was. Um, and then I read this, I found this book, like, as, I think the last semester that I was in seminary or just right after graduating, uh, called the kingdom of God by, by Bill Bright, uh, John Bright. And, um, uh, he was a, he's an old Testament professor, wrote this book back in the, uh, the late forties, uh, maybe early fifties. And, uh, it's, it's this book that I've come to notice that like all old pastors they have on their on their, their bookshelf, you know, the guys that are in their sixties and seventies and stuff, they've got them on their bookshelf. Um, but I read this, this kingdom of God book and, um, uh, and it was so great. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, this is what Jesus is talking about. He goes through the whole Bible and talking about what, what the kingdom of God is about. And I felt like I had just been, um, what I knew, uh, like through all my years of being a Christian and reading the Bible and Bible studies and seminaries, like I just knew this little, little bit, you know, of uh of what what this whole thing was about it was like i was staring at this one tree or a piece of bark of the tree and then then uh reading this book like helped me um see the whole forest and it's just amazing stuff that god has has been doing in the world and the story that god's wanting to tell through scripture and it made me really excited and it also made me really frustrated and angry that i spent all these years not knowing i was probably um i was in my late 20s at the time and uh, so that became uh, just a, a key thing, a part of our, our scope and sequence, our teaching plan at Edgewood Church is that every year we, um, in the fall, we take eight weeks and we, we talk about the kingdom of God. And that, that um, uh, and we, we do that in different ways. We talk about the parables of the kingdom. We talk about the, um, uh, the signs of the kingdom. Um, so so it's, it's not any more repetitive than, than uh, 
um, what you might find at any other pulpit or whatever, because we're talking about the parables and we're talking about what are the big, the, the big values and big signs of what, what we are seeing in the world when we see God's activity. And then one of the years, we talk about the big narrative of the kingdom of God, like what God is doing, what the Bible is all about, what, what the, this whole Christian story is, you know, and um, this, uh, this past fall, so 2019, I got into the place in the story and I, I preached this this series before, but uh, I got into this place in the story, and I was just wanting to we're, we're talking about Jesus, um, going through the whole the whole uh, biblical narrative, um, in, in eight or nine weeks, and uh, I was like, how how do I how do I tell this story in a way where where people will get I can't I can't let this thing be like anticlimactic when you get to Jesus, you know. Uh, or dry, or any of those sort of things, you know, because like, this is Jesus, this is the hero of the story, you know, and so what, what, uh, uh, what theological um, world do I talk about? Do I, I there's just, uh, you know, to have one sermon where you're like, talk about Jesus, who he is, and his significance go, you know, <laughs> uh, is, is really challenging, and, and explaining that into what, like, in a way where, um, where anybody can understand with no biblical, uh, um uh frame of reference and that's that's the kind of that's the kind of uh group of people that we're trying to to communicate with a lot of times is people that have very little or no um biblical frame of reference and so we're always trying to figure out how to communicate truth and the bible and things like that from that perspective and so um i uh uh the good lord gave me this uh um this image to use of, um, of, of, of song to talk about the logos, the word of the, the, um, uh, the logos of God, you know, in the beginning, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And a little bit of that's, um, uh, I think a little bit of that idea came from, uh, from Tolkien, uh, the, the actual singing part instead of just words, um, about who, like the, 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 the uh, not just the Logos that was spoke, that spoke things into existence and that holds all things together and through all things were made. But when, when Tolkien in the Cimmerillion, he tells the creation story, um, the, uh, uh, I forget what the, the God is, but he's, uh, he's singing, he's singing the, the world into, into existence. And so, um, super, I don't know if I thought about that at the time, but I, uh, looking back that probably I love Tolkien and that probably was was part of that and uh, after the sermon um, a lady in our church came up and said wow you should really make that into a children's book yeah uh, to go back uh, real quick uh, just to, to be clear in, in Tolkien's world the the god who spoke uh, everything into existence is Eru Elevatar. So not to show my nerdiness <laughs> of all things Tolkien but um, yeah so, you know, you can write a book to any particular audience. Um, why a children's book? We're always trying to figure out um, ways to, to do better at sharing the gospel with people, um, you know, and, and in simple ways. And what could be um, more approachable uh, than, than a children's book, you know? Um, uh, you know we, we used to have these... Uh, old old tracks, you know, back in the eighties and nineties and stuff, and before that, there's like if you die tonight, you know, um, you know, uh, <laughs> turn or burn, sort of sort of things, you know, and that just I don't know if that you know sometimes that that did work and God did some really great stuff through 
um, through that stuff. But but I don't think it really works. I think it worked sometimes for particular reasons back then. I don't think it worked. It doesn't. It certainly doesn't work in our context. Um, but how great is it to be able to, like to take a children's book possibly and be able to share that with family and friends and your children and um, grandchildren and things. And what's the process like? Of, of writing and uh, producing and publishing uh, a children's book nowadays. So I started working on that and man, the book business is hard. It is hard, hard, Andy, just uh, um, like, it's, <laughs> you know, there, it's a, um, it's a tournament situation, you know, where there's uh, a handful of winners and they, they typically win every time. There's hardly any new winners in the, the winner circuit and then everyone else loses. So there's, there's uh, just thousands and thousands of books that are published every year, and most of those effectively go into the, the trash bin. This children's book is illustrated by Julie Haydorn. Um, what can you tell us about the artist? It was such a blessing. I wanted to find a, uh, I wanted to find an editor that was not a Christian that was really really good, um, that, but not a Christian because so that she didn't know, so that person didn't know. Um, could catch all the, like the insider jargon and insider imagery, you know, um, and, and could point that out. And, um, this lady that the, 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 the person that I wanted the, the very most to edit this book, her name is Jennifer Reese. And she, uh, she read the manuscript and she said, yes, she'd worked for uh, scholastic for about 15 years. And then she, uh, edited the hunger games. And, uh, so she's just really great, wonderful lady. She, she loved the manuscript, uh, which was so, what which was so encouraging to me. And then helped edit it, um, and uh, to make it to make it good, and to make it where anybody with even with no uh, Christian references could uh, could understand it, and that's what I wanted. And then, um, uh, and then finding Julie uh, Haydorn, the the illustrator, was such a, a blessing. I, I, she's she's like exactly what I wanted um, and hoped for. She's a mom. She's a Christian. She's a wonderful illustrator. Um, so for that, for that role, like you need somebody that actually knows and loves and cares about the story so that they're actually seeing it, you know, as they're reading the words and can begin imagining what the, these things should be and, and what she was able to do, um, with the, uh, um, with the words and make, make things come to life in such wonderful ways of just, just absolutely thrilled by and so, so blessed. And obviously the name of the book and the theme throughout the book is, is the song. Um, you know, what is the song? Yeah. Um, so the song is, is Jesus. The song is, is, is the Logos, you know, the song is, um, uh, is, uh, a lot of that's taken out of who Jesus is. And, and, um, at the beginning of John, um, and, uh, um, I, I think you can see that pretty, pretty quickly, uh, um, in, in beginning to read the book, but it's, it's the, it's this, um, it's this, uh, engaging humanity, creating force that is embodied in Jesus of, of God's love and God's rescue and God's creative power that made, that made the universe. And that is, that is, uh, running after us, trying to rescue broken people living in a broken world, um, running after the lost, the lost son, the lost daughter, and trying to, trying to bring us home, you know, um, and that is, that is working in and through all things to, 
um, to bring about healing and redemption and a restoration of all things. That's the, uh, that's the song. Well, I know, uh, we, we're going to have you do a, a reading. Why don't you give us a reading from the first couple pages of the book? Yeah. Yeah. Love, love to do that. Here we go. Long ago, at the beginning of all that is, when everything was calm and quiet and empty, God began to sing. It was a beautiful song. It was a song of who God is, the song of creation. As God sang, new wonders came into existence, light and darkness, air and water, plants and animals. As every new and wonderful thing came into being, God would teach it how to find its voice and sing the song back to God until all of creation sang as one beautiful chorus, singing the song of creation together in perfect harmony. The beauty of the song could be heard and seen and felt. It was everywhere and in all things. The crown of God's creation was humanity. Their part in the song reflected who God is more than anything else. They lived in this perfect world, unmarred by the discord of death and darkness and disease. They lived in a world where everything existed in perfect harmony with each other, with God, and with all the created world. Where do you hear this song being muted most in our world right now? Oh, um, <laughs> there, there's a, there's a page in here that I, I, uh, um, I hear that so much. It's this, um, uh, so much of our world, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, a where, where people are looking forward towards the rescuer and they have all these, uh, ideas about who this rescuer would be, but this, uh, who the Messiah would be, you know, um, but they've got all these voices that are inside of them saying, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not safe. I'm not okay. Um, and, uh, and that led them to be looking for a, met, uh, a rescuer of a, messiah a solution uh a source of hope that that is uh very different than what the the hope that and the the rescue that god sent us and that god knows that we we needed and so i um uh i i think that's a i think that's a a huge part you know that we put our we put our hope in the wrong things we make gods of things that um uh that don't deserve to be uh, to be gods. And so it, it, it makes us, um, it makes us insecure, you know, um, whether those, um, uh, and it, and it makes us foolish, <laughs> you know, um, uh, when we, when we put our, our hope in the, the God who, um, created all things and will bring all things to a good end, then it, then, um, uh, I, I don't want to imply that I'm unshakable. I'm, 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 I'm very shakable, <laughs> you know, um, uh, but, but, uh, you know, as, as we, we learn to, uh, put our hope and our trust that, and, and the one that we know, um, holds the world and holds the future, you know, um, uh, that it, uh, it changes how we, how we are in the world, um, uh, and, and gives us the potential of having wise eyes and giving, having loving eyes and, um, you know, we're, our American society is, uh, um, is fracturing in so many ways. And there's so many, th there's so many forces behind that, you know, and I, I, I think, uh, uh, this isn't necessarily unique in history. Um, 
but it's but what a gift it is to find your life um and in the song and in this long story of Christianity and what God has done and, and be able to say that's that's the story that I'm living into, you know, and all these other things, they're gonna ebb and flow and 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 but but how I how I treat the people around me is shaped by this narrative that I'm living into. And this is the true story. This is the thing that's really happening. This is where the real drama of life is, is in the story of God and the kingdom of God. You know, um, uh, I, I think that makes such a big difference. Um, I don't know if that was a good answer or not, but that's, <laughs> you know, that's, there's my answer. Conversely, where, where do you see the song, you know, being sung the loudest right now? Oh man, that's a, um, in the small things, so much of my, my, my hope and where I see, um, see, see God's activity is in, is in the small things. Um, uh, I, I see it in the way that people treating people. I, I was, uh, at a recovery group here at church last night and, and just, um, the, the healing that I see taking place in people's, people's lives, um, uh, there, we live in an amazing time, an amazing time that there has been, um, Christianity is not necessarily exploding in, in the West. I think, I think that's gonna, I think that'll happen at some point, but like this last, but it, it is all over the rest of the world. And, and there's been more people that have been lifted out of poverty. Um, and these, these last, uh, 15 years than there has been in all of, all of human history. Um, we're becoming more aware of, of each other, you know, um, and, and some of that brings about conflict and things, but I, I think we're becoming more aware of the, um, of the, that we are, we are image bearers of God, um, and that, that people around the world are our brothers and sisters and that there's something beautiful and unique that God wants us to, to learn from those people, you know, and, and I'm not, <laughs> you know, human nature hasn't, hasn't necessarily changed, you know, we're all, uh, we're still self-centered and uh, prone to being uh, destructive and self-destructive creatures. But I, I, I think in, in the midst of all of that, um, that there is, um, there is really good and beautiful things that are happening, um, both on the, the, the really, really small and on the really big. It's uh, the middle's always messy, you know. Why don't we end with uh, a reading from your favorite portion of the book? Yeah. Oh man, I love that. Love that. So this is um, so this is the page, the two pages. I'll say like after, after the death of Jesus on the cross, um, and uh, this this uh, um, I think this would be even better if, if um, for people that are seeing the the illustrations that Julie did here. But um, here goes. If hearing the song at the foot of the cross is all that you or I or these people ever knew of Jesus or the song, it would be good news, but it would be a tragedy. There would be love, but not hope. You could live completely convinced of God's amazing love for us, but we would live without hope that we or our world could be different, that we would ever learn to sing the song again. But the song did not die on the cross that day. Jesus' story, God's story, did not end on the cross that day. Jesus died and three days later came back to life and hope sprang to life with him. 
somehow Jesus came out of the grave with a gift. Maybe it was like the story that Jesus once told about the kingdom of God being like a kernel of wheat that falls to the ground and dies so that it might grow to produce more wheat. The song was in Jesus and was Jesus. But after Jesus died and came back to life again, the song began getting inside of his followers too. There was still a lot of clanging noise and ruckus inside of them and around them, but planted in their hearts was the song. They would always be able to hear it, and slowly, ever so slowly, it would drive all the noise away until their life was the song. For those that want to stay connected with Nathan, check out edgewoodchurchatlanta.org. Of course, go out and purchase the song wherever books are sold. Nathan, thank you for reminding us that there is a beautiful and powerful song to be heard, but also to be sung in our world. Love that. Thank you so much, Andy. Really, really, really appreciate getting the chance to, um, to be here with you this morning. Well, that's it. That's our conversation. Be sure to support our annual sponsors by visiting their websites at fuller.edu and healthychurch.org. Check out cbf.net for information about our church starters, field personnel, advocacy work, chaplains, and much more. Oh, and uh, one more thing I don't think we've mentioned on the podcast before, but visit cbf.net backslash podcast support for ways that you can contribute to the CBF podcast conversations and get some pretty cool stuff in return.